Today's first reading from the Old Testament is from Hebrews. A uh, uh, reading from the Hebrew Scriptures is from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Let us listen for God's word. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. This ends our first reading. Our second reading this morning comes from the Hebrew Scriptures, the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. This is one of the stories about Miriam that we don't hear very often. So let us listen for God's word speaking to us this day. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had indeed married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has the Lord not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more so than anyone else on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. So the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they came forward. The Lord said, Hear my words. When there are prophets among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Not so with my servant Moses. He is entrusted with all of my house. With him I speak face to face. The Hebrew actually is, With him I speak mouth to mouth. Clearly, not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? 
And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and the Lord departed. When the cloud went away from over the tent, Miriam had become leprous, as white as snow. And Aaron turned towards Miriam and saw that she was leprous. Then Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us for a sin that we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like one stillborn whose flesh is half consumed when it comes out of its mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her. But the Lord said to Moses, If a father had spit in her face, would she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp for seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days. And the people did not set out on the march until Miriam had been brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, as you heard this morning, Rocky River was rocking this past week with the energy, creativity, and inquisitive thinking of 85 children involved in our Vacation Bible School. It was invigorating to see all that was happening in this place. They spent the week learning how our biblical ancestors sparked the change. They sparked the change to create a better world and to share the grace of God with others. Specifically, they learned that changemakers ask questions, they work together to solve problems, they respond to the needs of others, they build bridges, and they create a new kind of world. While she wasn't included in the cast of characters covered this week, Miriam is someone, I think, who sparked change. She, while not named in the Exodus 2 text, did you catch that? They never named her Miriam. They just said the sister. It is widely accepted by biblical scholars that the young girl who watched that papyrus basket float down the Nile was indeed Miriam, the older sister. In this story, Miriam and all of the Hebrew people are dealing with the repercussions of some pretty serious lived trauma. You see, the story in today's reading takes place right after the Egyptian pharaoh has carried out genocide on the male children of the Hebrew people. In an act of brazen disregard for Egyptian power, Moses' mother hides the newborn baby for three months. Can you imagine hiding a newborn for three months? I literally cannot. No way. But she cannot bring herself to allow the Egyptian soldiers to carry out their orders. So instead of allowing him to be killed, she puts her faith in God. And she does all that she can She takes that papyrus basket, 
coats it with as many layers to make it waterproof, gently places it into the Nile and pushes it off and trusts that God will somehow create a way for her precious, sweet little baby. Miriam, the overprotective sister, motivated by what I think is that unstoppable older sister vibe, and you probably know what I'm talking about, can't just walk away. She has been mommy's little helper for three months, keeping the baby quiet, invested in the life of this little one. So she monitors every move that little papyrus basket makes on its journey, waiting to intervene where she can to ensure her brother is safe. Her opportunity arises when the basket floats into the reeds where he is discovered by the Pharaoh's daughter. I don't think this royal gets enough credit, in my opinion. When she opens that basket, she finds a crying baby, you all would be crying as well, floating down the Nile in a papyrus basket. She finds this crying baby, and it must have been an absolutely heartbreaking scene. This must be one of the Hebrew children. What sorrow must have led this mother to put her family into a basket and send it off into the unknown? The daughter who found her was the daughter of the Pharaoh. She would have known what has happened. She would have known what this baby in a papyrus basket meant. She would have known who was responsible for creating the situation that led to this outcome. She would have known what her father would have expected her to do. To just put her foot on the basket and push it to the bottom. But she does not do what is expected. The text tells us that she took pity on the baby. And as she stood there amongst the reeds trying to figure out what to do, Miriam, the overprotective older sister, must have sensed her opening, the opening that she had been praying for. She leaps in to ask questions. She works together with the Pharaoh's daughter to solve problems and to address the needs of others. She offers to find a Hebrew nurse to care for the child. And in so doing, she actually arranges for her mother to get paid to raise her own child. I mean, this is a brilliant... Miriam is brilliant, y'all. Miriam is the ultimate change maker. Trusting in God to provide a way out of no way and ensuring that the future of her family and what she holds dear. Throughout the uncertainty of that Nile journey, Miriam held fast. She watched for her moment to get involved 
entrusted in the guiding grace of God to provide a way. My friends, it's been almost a year since Rocky River found itself on the beginning of its own new journey through the perilous, treacherous, uncertain Nile that we are in now. John Fancher announced he was retiring and the wheels began to hum. This morning, some of you might be feeling like the waters are churning a little bit more with the news that Lisa Watts, your beloved educator extraordinaire, will be retiring in just a few short months. I am sure it might feel easy to groan and wail and want to gnash your teeth. But now, now is the time to be Miriam. Now is the time to stand watch, to ask questions, to work together to solve problems, to help address the needs of others, because you know what? God is at work here. Have you sensed it? God is at work here, building bridges, creating a new world where all things are possible. Participating in this work takes concerted effort. It takes focus. It takes that overprotective sister energy. Am I right? In today's story, Miriam found an unlikely ally in the daughter of a pharaoh. But God's future for the Hebrew people came to pass the way it did because Miriam didn't look away. She didn't flinch when the papyrus basket passed through the rough waters. She didn't look away when the hippos and alligators swam near. In fact, I like to imagine that she was there on the shore throwing rocks to distract the predators, throwing rocks to make sure that the papyrus basket found its safe lodging, doing all that she could to ensure that there would be a future. The act of church, the act of being the beloved community, takes the same effort We, as its members, have to stand and do the work to protect God's promises, to make sure that they are full and made known to everyone. We have to work and make sure that everyone feels included, whether you've been sitting next to them for 50 years or whether it's their first time in through the doors. And when the waters feel turbulent... Or when we are worried, we must stand together and trust in the promises of God to guide us through. That is what Miriam did. And eventually she found herself standing with her brothers, Moses and Aaron, on the shores of the Red Sea, jubilantly leading the nation in praise of God when the Passover occurred. It was Miriam who led God's people to sing the praises of the passage through the Red Sea as the Egyptians were thrown to the shore. But I also think it's important in this time and place for us to be reminded of another part of Miriam's story. 
our chapter from Numbers 12 is one of those stories that we don't ever preach on, probably for good reason. It is a very problematic text, in my opinion. I have to be honest and say that I don't know what to do with God's reaction in this text and what that says about God's character. It makes me feel slightly better that all of the commentaries I read were also left scratching their heads. So people far smarter than me also did not know what to do with God's reaction and why God singled out Miriam and not Aaron. Why did Miriam bear the brunt of the repercussions for talking against Moses? In many ways, this feels like an argument among adult siblings. The nitpicking that happens that triggers long-standing rivalries that everyone thought had been put to bed. Do you all have those with your adult siblings? You think you're talking about one thing and all of a sudden you're back in the bunk bed, kicking the bottom of the bed, trying to figure out how to make the other person be quiet. The presenting problem here is Miriam's and Aaron's discomfort with Moses marrying a Cushite woman. So this is the only reference to Moses marrying a Cushite woman in all of the Bible. In other places, Zipporah, the, his wife, is a Midianite. So no scholars have a reference for this marriage or why Miriam and Aaron are upset that he married a Cushite. So it's a head-scratcher. But as with most fights among siblings, it seems that the real problem here is Miriam and Aaron speaking out against Moses' leadership. Who do you think you are? Why do you get all of the attention? Has the Lord not spoken through us? I can hear in my mind Miriam saying, I was the one at the Nile, Moses. I was the one that guided that basket right to the Pharaoh's daughter. I was the one that got mom to raise you. Hello, has not God spoken through me also? Give me my due. It's important to note that the Hebrews have been in the wilderness for a long time by the point, this point in the story. Moses has been complaining to God for chapters about the bickering among the people and their discontent, you know, because God's providing this manna, but they're tired of eating manna every morning. So he's been complaining to God, chewing up God's ear with this. God has heard Moses' concerns, and God has appointed 70 new elders to help deal with the administrative work to make things a little easier. To help guide the chosen people to the promised land. So here we are. New leadership is coming on board. And I imagine that Miriam and Aaron might be feeling as if their place is threatened. Right? Like it's always been Moses and then Aaron and Miriam. Now there's 70 new people who are taking over and helping to lead the crowd. 
in my head, imagine that they might feel as if their place in the community is being diminished. As if their stature is somehow becoming less than. Or that their place among the people is not as vaulted as it was. So Moses, sorry, Miriam and Aaron are grumbling, upset. They are having their own version of the parking lot conversations. Can you believe this? Can you believe they made that decision? Oh my goodness, what is happening? God hears this that's happening. And God isn't pleased. The text tells us that Miriam becomes the focus of God's ire. And like I said, biblical scholars and I are not sure what to do with this part of the story. I personally think it is problematic that Aaron's part in the narrative is glossed over and the fault lies solely with Miriam. In the end, I tend to agree with the scholars who reflect on the fact that this story was created by men who shared the story for generations and eventually men who wrote it down. And stories are told in certain ways. That might be a theological cop-out. I will give you that. But it honestly makes me feel a little better that people smarter than me don't know what to do with this either. Having said that, I think there's really important parts of this story for us to consider. When times are changing, there is a human need for us, especially those who have been committed leaders, those of us who have been committed parts of the community to protect our place, to mark our territory, if you will. But in this story, it seems as God is trying to tell Miriam to check yourself before you wreck yourself, you might end up with leprosy in the parking lot. This moment in the Hebrew people's history is not the moment for these parking lot conversations where people are trying to keep things the way they have always been. Now is the time for Miriam and Aaron to lean in to God's new way of doing things. Now is the time for Miriam and Aaron to become more expansive in their leadership and welcome new ideas and new directions. Maybe this is our lesson this morning. Just as the children of VBS spent the week learning how to spark the change Maybe God is speaking to us in Miriam's complicated stories to see how we can spark the change that is coming to Rocky River, to our community. We are being called to watch attentively. We are called to graciously protect God's promises to ensure that they are for all people and not just for some. We are called to lean in where we can, to work, to create God's community, and to create space for God's promises to flourish in the future, and to take hold in our lives.
We are called to spark the change as Miriam did and to be mindful of the ways that we do it. May it be so. Amen.